Hello and welcome to episode 177 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Omnipod, the tubeless insulin pump that Arden has been wearing for a decade. And by Dexcom, makers of the G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor, now FDA permitted for zero finger sticks. I'm at a bit of a loss for how to describe today's episode because it is incredibly uplifting, but at the same time, it could be difficult to listen to at times. Today I speak with Ella. She's a young person in her 20s who has type 1 diabetes, but who also has a host of other medical conditions. As you listen to Ella describe her day and what she needs to do to stay healthy and safe, it's going to be um, it's going to be a little overwhelming for you. But I think Ella's life offers a perspective that would be difficult for many of us to gain. So I hope you listen. She's really a, a rather remarkable person. Nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making changes to your medical plan. Ella, I'm 23 years old. I've had type 1 diabetes since September 26, 1997. And I have some other complex health conditions. But aside from those, I have a lot of hobbies that I love to do. One of them is volunteering. I love volunteering at any opportunity I get. Either the Red Cross, the ADA, JDRF, anything I can do, or just helping a friend in need out. That's what I love to do. I live for it. I live for helping other people. And I also love rock climbing. And before I got sick, I loved swimming. Well, I definitely get the sense from you online that you're a person who likes to help other people. Yeah. I don't understand climbing up rocks. That seems insane, but I'm happy for you if you love it. And why can't and, and I'm gonna ask you later why you don't love swimming as much since you have been diagnosed. But first, I guess let me start by saying this. I don't we don't know each other, you and I. I'm aware of yeah. you. I'm aware of you through Facebook. That's how I'm aware of who you are, right? And yeah. what I would say is that you know, social media is really interesting. You know, you, you hear people say all the time, like you only see the best of people on Facebook, right? Right. They take 17 pictures of themselves before they get yeah. the exact right angle. And, and that's the one you see. And, uh, you know, if their yeah. kid, their kid does something at a sport, they don't show you the six things they mess up. Just the one thing they did that was really good. And, and, and to me, that's just a, a bigger idea that, you know, we don't spend, we don't, we don't share every split second of our lives. We're just sharing the stuff we think other people might be interested in, or we're interested in other people knowing about uh -huh. having said that. From my perspective, considering that if you posted 100 times a month, and I don't know how many times you do, that I would probably only see it a handful of times anyway because of the way the, you know, Facebook works and everything, I have a very slim idea of who you are from this. Um, but it does seem to me that you are in and out of different situations that are probably not optimal health-wise. Like I see you in the hospital a lot um, or you yeah. know, in need of help or things like that. And so we're going to really kind of drill down and understand wh why that is. 
and and why you're so open about sharing about it and stuff like that. So it's really it's excellent. So let's let's start slow. You were diagnosed. I did some fast math while you were talking. Were you 11 years old? It was 926.97. So I was two years old. Two. My math is terrible. <laughs> so all right. It's okay. I might have heard 2007, which would have made more sense with my answer. Anyway, I'm so, so, sorry. No, no, no. Don't be sorry. It's my fault. I'm terrible. Um, so two years old, which is how old my daughter was when she was diagnosed. Um, yeah. Where were you living at the time? Do you have you do you live in America? Yes. And have you ever lived overseas? Yes. Okay. So where were you when you were diagnosed? Um, I was so little. It was like right after my parents got divorced. Okay. So I'm not quite sure. I understand that. Who are you living with at the time? Is it your mom or your dad? Or are you splitting time? Um, we, I live, well, we live with my mom and my grandma. Mm -hmm. My mom had to work all the time. So, so my grandma would drive us to all the appointments and kind of raise us. Right. And my mom would, you know, do what she could. (laughs) So do Um, so was your grandmother kind of your primary caregiver for diabetes in the early part of your life? She was. My grandma was, my grandma but was the role of a full-time mom for me. Okay. I lost her three days before my 14th birthday. Before your 14th birthday? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So now, so she's your primary, like, you know, caregiver for diabetes and in life in general. So you, you, it's, yeah. like, it's like losing your mom, I would imagine. Um, and and yeah. were you self-sufficient with your diabetes at 14 or no? Did that really kind of throw things into I had to learn everything by the time I was seven. So at seven years, look, I started checking my blood sugar by myself when I was like three or four. Um, I started being able to do my own injections at age seven, actually after diabetes camp. So after diabetes camp, uh, the thing about campus, what's so amazing is you're having fun, but you're learning at the same time. And so kids will, you know, go to camp on a Sunday. And by that Friday, I mean, you have someone, they're doing their own injections, they're changing their own pump site, they're able to calculate their dose. So, you know, one or the other, all three or whatever it is. Um, but that's the beautiful thing about camp and camp taught me not just how to manage my diabetes. It also gave me every skill I really was going to need in life from being able to overcome any challenge that lay before you to working as a team um, to just knowing you're not alone and that even if you feel like you're the only person in the world who feels a certain way, chances are you're not. Yeah, That's, so, a, definite, that's a real confidence that you, it, it's hard to kind of gain on your own sometimes. And it's, it's so yeah. much easier to get it from somebody else who, who already kind of knows what you're going through and is able to kind of mirror it back to you. So, yeah. Okay. So, all right. So two years old, um, 20 some years ago, obviously not a lot of technology going on. Probably at the time you had a meter, I'm guessing ish. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. Was it a crazy meter? Did it, what did it do? 
It was the AccuCheck. I don't. I can't remember what it looks like, but I don't know what it's called. But it took forty-five seconds for a meter result. Forty-five seconds. And you had to have this little, like, chip card thing to put in the meter because they didn't have the codes that you would scroll to. For those of anyone who's newly diagnosed or newer to type 1, back in the day before they had all these meters that were, that were, got nervous no, no, like coded to the strips, right? Like yeah, yeah. like you had to yeah. put in like code twenty five for one touch. Right. You had to put in code sixteen for freestyle. And back in that day, you couldn't even just scroll up or down to the code. You had to actually take this little chip, this little chip card and put it in the meter. And you could only use those strips with that SIM chip card thing. And I was on, I'm allergic to a lot of insulin, so I was on, I honestly don't know what the long-acting was, um, but I was on Humalog pretty quickly because I did not respond well to regular. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in 2000, I remember in kindergarten, that was like the big thing. we We went on Lantis. And that was so different because we could eat whenever we wanted we just had to take take a shot yeah but it did mean a lot more shots so i was on that until i was 13 and then on january 29 2008 i actually began pumping with the omnipod eight two okay so now all right that's great well first of all i i what i heard was how exciting it was in kindergarten to be on Lantis, which is not, it's not, it's not everybody's kindergarten excitement story. That's for sure. But it, it did open up your life. So that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So how did you find like those first years living with type one? Do you, did you feel burdened by it or was it just kind of how things were for you? How, how did you kind of react to it? Um, I don't really know because I was two. But as but you got older. As I got older, I, I've i just always been really in tune with my body. And I've always have had an advanced, like, extreme amount of research um, since a young age. Like, I... It was that kid that would come home, get off the bus, get on the computer, and start doing research. Just trying to, well, no, just trying to figure out things that would help you or things that would benefit your health or like that kind of just trying to understand the whole thing in a, in a greater detail. I wanted to be a nurse from, like, I just knew, like, my whole life, I just knew that I was destined to be a nurse. My grandma was a nurse and uh, my grandfather was a quadriplegic, so growing up, I often would have to help and care for my grandpa, and I loved it. Um, so when I was little, I would like to do research not just on diabetes products, but I also would do research on um, just medical conditions, um, like leukemias, like the cancers, and 
some rare chromosomal disorders. So, so you were just trying to just, figure out like medical stuff in general. You were just really interested by it all. I just wanted to learn. That's cool. That's excellent. So, <clears throat> all right. Now, you're not a nurse now, I would imagine, right? No. No. So, so tell me what happened. So what was your first complication with diabetes? So that that's an interesting one. My A1Cs were, they have been in the 6, like 6.5 to 7.7 7 mm-hmm. range for the past 10 plus years. Okay. When I was little and I was on injections, I had mainly eights and a couple nines. But those were few and far between. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that reason was shots do not, they're just impossible to meet my medical needs. <laughs> I know a lot of people are pretty good with MDI, but the pump made a huge difference. And um, that it's actually been life changing for me. And I would never go back. I was getting ready for RN school. It was August. 2014 it was going to be my second year of college and I went from never having a hospital admit really never going to the hospital not just like no ER trips no admits nothing until suddenly on August 11 2014 my blood sugar was really high and I had like small pea ketones but it didn't matter how much I was drinking. I kept throwing up and throwing up and throwing up. We went to the hospital at that point because I was scared I was going to go into DKA. Right. And um, and that at that point, that was the I was admitted that night. That was just the first of many. I was just standing last night with former Major League Baseball player Sam Fold. Sam's had type one diabetes since he was ten years old. One of the first things he did when he saw me was yank up his shirt and show me his new Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor. He said it had changed his life. But this ad is not about the Dexcom. It's about the Omnipod. Because I said to Sam, what's next? You going to get a pump? And he said, yeah, I think so. And I told Sam the same exact thing I'm going to tell you right now. You should look into an Omnipod. I told Sam that Arden has been wearing an Omnipod for a decade since she was four years old. She just turned 14 the other day. She's never once felt constricted with tubing or held back from swimming or showering. It's absolutely spectacular. Each and every day we use the functions on the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump to make adjustments to Arden's basal rates, her boluses. It is absolutely 100% the key, the focus, the chi and the now of how we have kept Arden's A1C between 5.6 and 6.2 for now over four years. That's what I told Sam Fold. That's what I'm telling you. Go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box or click on the links in your show notes or at juiceboxpodcast.com to get a free no obligation demo pod sent to you directly at your home. That's right, Omnipod will send you a pod that you can try on wear, see, feel, touch, love, caress even. I don't know what you're going to do with it once you get it there. But you'll be able to try it, wear it, and see what you think. And then if you want to move forward, Omnipod makes the entire process super simple. Myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox with the links in your show notes or juiceboxpodcast.com. Hey, Omnipod, 
I bet you didn't think you were going to get a small dog snoring behind your ad. Huh? You guys hear Basil today? He is really snoring up a storm. Okay, let's get back to Ella, hear about her first time going to the hospital and the many visits that followed. That was just the first to come of many. I was diagnosed and began my journey with gastroparesis on August 11th, 2014. So you're going along for, you know, 18 years maybe, right, in that range, mm-hmm. like like just cruising along. Even when your A1Cs weren't where you wanted them with MDI, they weren't terrible. They were still respectable A1Cs. You got on a pump, you got it down. Everything looks like it's going well. You're heading into college, and suddenly this happens. Is it fair to say that it's an – is it – has it been a like an, an absolute like kind of like – left turn like did your life completely change at that point yeah it did yeah and so I guess so like let's talk first about you know not about gastroparesis Mm -hmm. so basically Mm -hmm. I've we just did um an episode recently with someone who else who's been talking who was talking about their complications Nicole and Mm -hmm. so there's um it's nerve damage but through your digestive system is that yeah that's the beginning of the idea right but then tell me what how does that affect things with diabetes Yeah, that's what I really wanted to share about. So, um, and just just so you know, I have not been declared whether it's complications or it's a secondary condition. I understand. And I can get into that after I touch up on the uh, gastroparesis and how it affects my diabetes. Okay. Okay, so... I would describe living with gastroparesis as having the stomach flu every day for the rest of your life. So I go through periods of time where I can't hold anything down and I end up having to be on IV nutrition for months. Mm -hmm. And I actually have a central line. So I have a port. It's in my left side of my chest, and I have a needle that goes in there every week, and that just, it's called accessing my port. So in addition to my insulin pump site change and my Dexcom change, I have to do my IV port needle once a week. And I will say this, type 1 diabetes was completely manageable And I could live very freely with it. Mm. When you add gastroparesis to it, it's honestly, it's a night. At first, it's it's a nightmare until you can adapt. So, for example, when my blood sugar goes high, I can't just drink a bunch of water and take a shot, do a sight change. For a high, that means... I got to do a blood sugar check. I got to do a blood ketone check. I have to get insulin on board and I have to get a bag of IV fluids hung and go wide open. Meaning like the fast, it gets into me as fast as it can. Why does all, why do all those extra things become necessary? Why, why doesn't just insulin do it at that point? I'm prone to dehydration. So I have to wear my IV pump almost 24-7 because I'm on continuous IV fluids. But 
Sorry about the, the clearing my throat. Don't be sorry. We're uh, fine. But sorry about that. I know. Uh, I can't really just treat with insulin. Now, this isn't every high, but if I'm having a, you know, 250 plus and I'm, or if I'm 200 and I'm just rising really quickly, mm-hmm. uh, I like to actually, <laughs> I really like to, uh, I really like to be bold with insulin and fluids because a lot of times I like to be pre like proactive instead of reactive. Right. Because it just makes everything so much easier. And with the Dexcom, I'm able to see where I'm trending. And that is super helpful because that actually changes the changes the course of the treatment plan. But as far as the IV fluids, um the reason I have to be so aggressive with those, especially when my blood sugar is going high, is because I'm prone to um, EKA and metabolic acidosis. Um, and so hydration is a huge thing. Okay. And so I, let me jump in for yeah. a second because I, I want to make sure I don't get lost because I, I think I'm keeping up. So, <laughs> excuse me. No, 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 you're doing good. You really are. Um, so you have a constant IV available to like you can when you hang a bag you can just do it it's not like you have to get a um a needle then at the same time is that right right i just change it once a week okay so so when you when you're when you're bold when you're when you're aggressive when your blood sugar starts jumping like that you need to get insulin you got to make sure that you're hydrated you got to check your ketones because when it goes bad it goes bad all at once and really drastically and yeah, you, and you I, don't when know, I go, I go. Yeah, and when you don't know which one of those elevated blood sugars is going to lead to that, which one is just going to come down and be okay again. Yeah. Okay, all right. Um, <clears throat> okay, I think I understand that part. Now, so how about, how does the, how do the highs happen? Are they because, is it because of the difficulty understanding when your body's actually going to digest the, what you've eaten and whether or not, like, because I'm assuming... I'm assuming like your your variables are crazy, right? Like you could eat oh, and get yeah. and get sick, and 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 then you wouldn't have the food in your system, or it could go in yeah. and not process for a really long time, and then yeah. if you put the insulin right, then the insulin might be way mistimed with when the when your body actually starts processing the food. How do yeah. you how do you make those geez how do you make any of those decisions? Um, uh, I don't eat much. Um. It just depends on if I'm in a flare. So a flare means like when my stomach is totally not accepting food, mm-hmm. it'll throw up everything, even an ice cube sometimes. Um, when I am able to eat, I do have limited intake, but a lot of times it doesn't really hit my system. So I end up, kind of bolusing hours later and sometimes I don't even need to bolus sometimes it just it really doesn't even get to me if I'm having a lot of carbs though I might do I call it algorithm bolusing okay so I'll do like a small dose wait a bit next dose wait a bit next dose wait a bit 
but it's not stacking insulin. It's just taking it safely. So if I throw up, I don't have to deal with the really bad low to follow. Okay. So you're much more in tune with the concept of like when I talk about timing insulin, you're doing you're doing that on a much bigger exploded level, like drug out over much more time. How do you even? Yeah. So I I I don't want to bum you out, but it's yeah. the, the question pops in like how do you even get up the nerve to want to eat? Honestly, it's evil. <laughs> Our stomachs are evil mm-hmm. because my friends and I always say that because. We can be extremely hungry, but be so nauseous. So sometimes it's literally, oh, I'm hungry and I'm so nauseous. I don't want to eat because I'm going to throw up, but I'm starving. Or am I hungry or am I nauseous? Come on, stomach. What do you want? Like, we never really know. It's just. You just got to take really a shot. Stinks. Yeah. And you can't not, it's not like you can't, you can't not eat, but you do get your. You do get nutrition through the port weekly. From time, from time to time, I do go on um, TPN. It's called Total Parenteral Nutrition. And that is where I get both nutrition, hydration, and like fats and proteins. So on a day-to-day basis, my body is running off saline and D5 normal saline. So, uh, is it okay if I talk about the lows a little bit? No, do please. I, yeah, I'm. I, trust me, you you keep talking because I'm I'm keeping up in my head, but I'm it, my questions aren't coming as fast as they usually do because I'm processing a lot. So go ahead, please. Okay. So my low blood sugars are so different, and honestly, that's probably one of the biggest hassles because you know. When you're low, if you can just drink a juice box and be okay, you're, you know, you're good to go. You can be playing a sport, you know, come over, drink a, drink a juice box, maybe temp basil if you need to for a bit, but then you're good to go. Yeah. With me, I have kind of a different story. So my lows, so we start treating my lows under 120. Okay. So I have extremely crazy parameters. My parameters where we like to be is between 130 and 180 Mm -hmm. because the lows hit me so hard and it's pretty crazy. And I am, I I am mostly asymptomatic, uh, but the Dexcom is key for me because it has saved my life over 280 something times in the past two years. Um, so when I go low, I have to treat with IV dextrose. So I either have a D50 ampule, which is like this huge syringe filled with super concentrated, like IV, think of grape juice, like the IV version of grape juice. Like okay. So quick carbs. Does it hit you really fast? Um, I have to push it over eight minutes mm-hmm. or else it'll fail my Dexcom. Okay. But it does, it does hit you within about ten minutes. You're you can talk again and you're good. Okay. Uh, so if you pushed it in too quickly, the Dexcom would fail to be able to read. Yeah, the Dexcom would do the question, those lovely question marks, <laughs> and that's a headache and a half. And then if I don't calibrate within an hour after. 
then it'll just be fried and I'll have to change the whole dextrose. And so out. you figure out how to move the dextrose and to not cause it. Oh, uh, El, hold yeah. on one second. Arden's texting about her lunch. Um, <clears throat> give me okay. one second. I need to ask her how hungry she is. No problem. Um, thank you. We'll just keep recording as we do it. Okay, she's hungry. And let's think about our lunch. Wow, it seems like forever ago, but way back in episode 47 of the podcast, that is 130 episodes ago, I think. Anyway, a long time ago on the Juicebox podcast, I interviewed then Oakland Athletics outfielder Sam Fold about his type 1 diabetes. Since then, Sam has retired. He's now a coach with the Philadelphia Phillies, my hometown Phillies, and last night... I got to go down to a game, take my son to see batting practice live on the field. Thanks to Sam. So many, many thanks to Sam. But as you heard in the Omnipod ad, while we were there, Sam yanked up his shirt and showed me his new Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor. Now, if you go back to episode 47, when I spoke with Sam, he was on shots. He didn't have a CGM. He didn't have a pump. He had nothing. And I told him back then, Sam, you got to try. And now he's using the G6. And he said to me, it changed my life. Not quickly, in a month he knew. How would you like your life to be changed? And I mean for the better, in a way that makes baseball players smile. Go to Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Get into a world where you can make diabetes treatment decisions with zero finger sticks, no calibrations. Always know where your glucose number is and where it's going. That's what the Dexcom G6 can do for you. It's what it's doing for Sam. It's what it's doing for Arden. It's what it's doing for countless countless people living with type 1 diabetes be one of them dexcom.com forward slash juicebox the links in your show notes or juiceboxpodcast.com by the way after the baseball season sam's going to come back on we're going to talk again okay she's hungry and let's think about our lunch I know what's in there, so I'm going to do this. 11 units. I have to extend it a little, but not a lot. She's a little higher than I want her to be right now, so let's do let's do 20% now. And the rest over a half hour. Yeah, I was, I was impressed my, with myself when I figured out this stuff, but your thing is way more difficult. How do you figure these things out, I guess? Because this is not something I would imagine that a doctor just comes in and goes, oh, here's how you handle this. It's probably a lot. I mean, your trial and error is probably insane, right? I'm elaborate, yes. (laughs) How involved are your doctors and healthcare people and how much is just on you? It all honestly kind of falls on my shoulders because... I find what works, and then they're extremely supportive. Okay. So we have done we have done a lot of experiments. Um, one of them was actually G, we called it G pumping, glucagon pumping. Mm-hmm. And so I would take an animus pump because they deliver one unit per second. It was the fastest delivery system. So I would at one point I was putting glucagon in my animus vibe or in a thing and wearing that and then just hooking up to bolus glucagon when my blood sugar would drop. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, wearing my other insulin pump, which would be probably like the T-Slim. 
and just kind of doing it like that. But unfortunately, the glucagon didn't end up working well for me at all. Because when you don't eat by mouth, you don't have the stored glycogen. And what a lot of people don't know is the glucagon, all it does is it's like sending a text message to your liver saying, yo, dump the stored glycogen. Right. Because it's not the actual sugar source. It just tries to trigger the liver to dump the stored glycogen to raise the blood sugar. Uh, okay. So if it's not there, if the storage isn't there, then there's nothing yeah. to release. And that's what you found out with trying to use glucagon. Yeah. So if you don't eat it, if you can't eat enough by mouth, then glucagon's not going to help you. So that kind of stunk. So then we got to the point where I'd have D50 on hand at home. And then D50 became like the new glucagon. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so what I use on a day-to-day basis, though, for lows is D5. So that is just a liter of fluid that has 5% dextrose in it and just like an IV bag. Right. And then that one I just run really quickly for like 250 ml, mm-hmm. the irony, somewhere around a juice box amount of liquid. And then I recheck and correct as necessary. Uh, and you and and you said that there's you kind of said earlier. I want to make sure we hit it that there's a difference between a complication from type one and just developing another disease. And so, yeah, is there a feeling that this is just a development for you that it, it's not type one caused or and how would you even know that? I guess my so I don't have your typical peripheral neuropathy, autonomic neuropathy kind of case. I have multiple organ systems that are affected. Okay. So, like, I have dysautonomia, which is dysfunction of the autonomic nervous system. So, my body has a very hard time regulating my heart rate, my temperature, my blood pressure, uh, things along that nature, just vitals. My body does not do very well to adapting to the external environment. Okay. So if it's really, if it's extremely hot outside, I don't sweat like a typical person. Mm-hmm. And my body literally cannot tolerate the heat, and I just, I can pass out very quickly uh, because my body can't regulate it, and it's really hard. That's just one example. One example. Um, so... The gastroparesis just a piece of the puzzle. The vagus nerve, are you familiar with that? Vagal nerve? Yeah. Yes. So your vagus nerve extends from your brain down pretty far, and it can affect your stomach, and gastroparesis can be part of it. Your heart can be affected. Your respiratory system can be affected. And... Among other things, but I'll just keep it short. No, no. Um, but sorry, I'm checking my blood sugar. Really no, quick. Do, no, go check your blood sugar. I'll wait. If I can't understand about needing to check your blood sugar, nobody would understand. <laughs> One ninety-one. That's another thing that's so frustrating. Is some days I'll wake up, like for example, two days ago I woke up, I was like three fifty-five. And an hour later, I was 60-something. Had you like, done I woke anything? Up, double arrows down, 
spammed crashed but did you do anything to affect that 350 or it fell on its own i was asleep and then i woke up and i checked and then like before i even had time to bolus i was getting a double down on the dexcom um, yeah, so that's a pretty big swing. Cause what if you would have done something about it? Right. And then it would have fallen yeah. on top of that. Then you would have been in that situation where you need the deck. Okay. I understand. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. So, okay. So type one gastroparesis, um, body has trouble regulating a lot of different functions. Anything else? So I can understand the whole picture. Um, I have, wow. Uh, I also have pernicious anemia, which is autoimmune B12 deficiency. I have Tourette's syndrome. I have severe iron deficiency anemia. I have PTSD. I have severe vitamin D deficiency. Mm -hmm. And I actually just established with a doctor called a geneticist. Do you know what that is? Um, looking back into the history of your family and your genetics, or maybe I'm wrong? Essentially, yeah, pretty close. Yeah. Um, so he, that's just like the doctor right. name for, yes, that exactly. So they do a lot of like chromosomal disorders or, you know, genetic disorders right. and such. And he sent testing for a condition called mitochondrial disease. And we are awaiting those, all those results to come back. But because of the complex history and everything that literally took me about two hours to cover everything with my doctor, mm-hmm. um, he said that it's likely that I, I really do have mitochondrial disease. So blood work was drawn and we're waiting on those results. What would that, what is the impact of that? I'm going to quote one of my favorite um, kiddos. She explains it really, really well in her video, and her name is Amory. And she explains it like this Every cell in our body, except red blood cells, has mitochondria. Mitochondria takes oxygen and food to create 90% of the energy our bodies need to sustain life. Mm -hmm. So mitochondrial disease occurs whenever the mitochondria fails to produce enough energy. That lack of energy leads to cell death and multiple organ failure. Multiple organ failure leads to the death to the person who is affected. End quote. Ah, well, that's not fun. Um, no, no, we no, don't no. have complete confirmation on it, but he was pretty confident that I may, I have a mitochondrial disorder of some sort. Okay. And so I'm sorry, I'm sorry to like, <laughs> I, if it becomes too much and you want to stop, just let me know. I don't know how much of just regurgitating what you go through every day is um, <laughs> helpful to you and how much of it might be. Cause you, cause you said you have PTSD. I'm assuming the PTSD is yeah. from the panic of my blood sugars falling and I'm going to die. Like, like, is that pretty much like after that happens to you enough times, it's just, it feels like it. it you, go ahead. Sam. No, no, no. I don't know what to say next. So you oh. go ahead and talk. Um, what, so, I mean, that's my guess, but you tell me. So the Dexcom itself has saved my life more than like 
280 plus times. Mm -hmm. So I was formerly living in my apartment up in New York. And not New York City, the boring part. The boring, not New York City, the boring part of New York. I got gotcha. you. And the one that no one's ever heard of. Um, <laughs> and then I recently moved to Tennessee. Okay. And prior to that, when I was living in New York, I lived alone. And unfortunately, family is a luxury, not a given. Mm -hmm. And so I've really been doing everything on my own for years throughout this journey. And um, so I would go to sleep and I would have all, I would call my Dia Stalkers, my Dexcom followers. Mm -hmm. I'd call them the Dia Stalkers because <laughs> they'd stalk my blood sugar. Nice. And then if I were to go low while I was sleeping, they would call my phone about, you know, 20 to 50 times, depending. And if I didn't wake up, they would go ahead and dispatch EMS. And then the ambulance would come. My EMS teams would come in. They'd be like, Ella, wake up, you're low. Ella, you're low. Or all sorts of it. And then sometimes I'd wake up a little bit and be totally out of it. They would just deliver the dextrose. My blood sugar would come up. And they'd be on their way. That does sound like something um, that I would feel stressed about. Uh, for, for, for absolutely. The first sorry. five times were horrifying. But then, you, in a way, you kind of feel like, all right, if I was going to die from a low blood sugar, it probably would have happened by now after all I've been through. That's pretty hell. So, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. So instead, yeah. of, so instead of spending the last 20 minutes we have together just going over, mm -hmm. I mean, I think we've, we've got a fairly clear sense of, you know, the scope and the the impact of, of what's up. I don't know we know depth, but I think we understand that in total. So let me ask you some more personal questions instead. Okay. What is life like when this is your reality? Are you existing every day? Is it just get up and let me stay alive till the next day? Or But you did say you like rock climbing. So are the things that you go do, is it day by day? I'm assuming you don't work. Um, I mean, maybe- I'm a full time. Yeah. You're a full-time student. I'm a full-time patient. Patient. You're a full-time patient. That might yeah. be the title of this episode, by the way. Um, uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, but, but, okay. So you, I, I would imagine that because like I said, like I know people who are on dialysis and that's a full-time job. Oh God. Yeah. Right. Right. And so when you start adding all of these, I can't imagine you'd be, you know, you're like, Oh, and let me get a shift in here too. Uh, so I get mm -hmm. that. Right. But I'm trying to figure out for you because you are, I've seen you in a couple of different modes. Like you do Facebook live sometimes and, mm -hmm. and I've seen you in a couple of different modes and I've seen bright, intelligent, thoughtful, loving, caring person trying to help other people. I've seen you in a panic and, and I've seen you look so beat up that I was wondering how you even got the nerve up to like sit up. Do you know what I mean? Like, and and so yeah. I get, I'm wondering how, like, like what is a day like? You, do you know what I mean? Like, like how, mm -hmm. how, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's, I'm really interested. A typical, break it down my week. A typical week, I have anywhere from three to as many as six to eight doctor's appointments. So a typical day for me consists of, I, check my blood sugar roughly 15 to 20 times a day. 
Yes, I'm serious. Yes, I really do. I have the meter downloads to prove it. Um, and my endocrinologist does. My script is literally written for 15 to 20 times a day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there are days where I only test 10 or 12 times, but generally it's every two hours and then whenever needed. So every time I get behind the wheel, I test. When I wake up, I test. <laughs> if I don't feel right, I test. And I do that as well as I wear the Dexcom G5. And the Dexcom G5 has been the piece that has really helped me navigate. It's the GPS for diabetes, I like to say. Cool. So that said, a typical day for me is I wake up, I push my nausea medication, Phenergan, through my port, and then I get my fluids set up, and I just kind of chill in bed until I'm feeling up to it. And then if I have to go to an appointment, I get ready. And I also do like the normal stuff. I, you know, brush your teeth and, you know, do your hair or whatever. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, you know, get my blood sugar to get where I want it to be. Well, at least try. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if I, or then I come and take my morning meds after my nausea medicine kicked in. And then I get on with my day. So some days I, it's, going for appointments other times I go to the store sometimes I go volunteer at you know an organization like the Red Cross or the ADA or JDRF wherever I can help um I do I have worked with um some kiddos in my area over the few years with who are affected with type one um and there's one little girl that I worked with and her name is Noelle and she and I have a really good time together and so sometimes her mom would drop her off and I would you know we would just spend the day together and it was easy because I've been a type one and I know how to take care of her but she has come such a long way she's on the pump now and she's thriving and I loved having the opportunity to help out with her so Sometimes I do stuff like that, Um, but there are days where I'm in bed and I'm not leaving the house and I don't feel good and I go between my bed and the bathroom and my bed and the bathroom and I'm super sick and there are times where I get really tired of this, but one of the things I say is sometimes we cry cry a river the bridge and get over it and <laughs> mm-hmm. come out stronger on the other side. That's an amazing. So, attitude. Well, because, um, because yeah. so what do you have? Do you have like long-term goals for yourself? Like things you are trying to get to? Or, yes. Okay. What, yeah. what are some of those things? I still don't want anything to stop me from becoming an RN. Because I promised my grandma, literally, as she took her last breath, that I wouldn't let anything stop me from becoming an RN. And that's where I call the blessing in brokenness. Um, I would not ever have been this prepared for nursing school, let alone a career in nursing, if I didn't go through this. So... I wish I didn't go through this, but I appreciate that 
it's made me as strong as and who I am today. And it's going to make clinical ovaries because I've spent over 600 days in the hospital since August 11, 2014. So I've had the opportunity to learn as I go, which is why I'm completely independent with my medical care. So I'm hanging IV fluids. I'm pushing IV meds on a daily basis, but I also know how to do port care. And I know a lot. Yeah, <laughs> um, so I kind of I kind of got to be my own lab rat for well, it's just but, you have a perspective that most people will never gain. I mean, honestly, like on just, you know, on life, on what tough means, on what persistence means, on what, you know, on what a lot of things, you know, are at a, at a much deeper, a, a much deeper level yeah. than, than the rest of us. Like, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, I got, you know, I got up a, a couple of days ago and I, I didn't feel well a couple of days in a row. And so the idea of laid up in bed and barely wanting to move and can't do all that stuff. I get that, but there's an expectation that that's going to end and that it won't start back up again. And so it seems like an inconvenience, not a, you know, not a reality to me. Um, but, but yours is, you know, I'm going to get through this and it's going to happen again. It's not going to not happen again. It's, it's, it's definitely yeah. is. And that's something that I just don't know that any of us can really imagine. I'm on a quest starting in, I'm at starting in 2017. I wanted to find healthcare that was competent and able to meet my needs mm -hmm. because I don't want this to be the reality for the rest of my life. I want to get whatever I can to be able to get my health stable. So another thing that really affects me is these met, these, vitamin deficiencies yeah. and minerals. So magnesium, potassium, phosphorus, and iron, <clears throat> those affect me really badly, um, especially the B12. Like I was having neuro symptoms um, a little while ago, and it was actually because part of the contributing factor was my vitamin B12 was so low, it was in the 200s, whereas the neurologist wants it in the 500s. Okay. So that was really low, but that is just a piece of the puzzle. So ultimately, once I get all of these tests done, um, like I, I did, like I said, I relocated to Tennessee, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of different specialists down there. And once I get the, um, once I get all the testing complete, and we can find providers that you know can keep my levels stable, like my electrolytes, my nutrition, and my iron. Once that's all stabilized, I'm going to be able to function because when they are stable, oh my gosh, I feel amazing. I feel so alive. I feel like a human instead of like a walking carcass. Yeah. So. And so that's but, still a process that, that's ongoing. You, you're, you're closer to doctors now that you think can help you yeah. get, get that into a better situation. Yeah. And my, my goal is I want to get everything figured out. I want to get everything treated that needs to be treated. Because come 2019, I need I want to go back to school. Mm -hmm. From day one, the first thing I wanted to say, first the first thing I said is, I can't wait to go back to school. I'm going back to school. I'm going to go back to school because I part of the reason I won't give up is because I had a dream to become a nurse, and I've transitioned that from a dream to a goal. 
And part of what gets me through every day, even the hard days, is definitely the support of what I call the family of friends. And a lot of the type 1 moms um, in my area have been just so amazing. And a type 1 support mom I met and a lot of amazing friends. And through the community, through the type 1 support community and through the chronic illness support community, I've been able to maintain a positive attitude. And going back, just brushing up on what you had mentioned about what I share, I share what I do on Facebook. because if I can help one person realize that, hey, you can do this, or if I can, you know, if there's one life that I can have an impact on, that's the greatest gift in the world, then all of this is worth it. Then pushing on and everything is worth it because bottom line, my ultimate goal in life is just to have a positive impact on as many lives as possible. Well, I was going to say the summer, sorry, the suffering and as many lives as possible. I was going to say that I think that what you share on Facebook is you're probably in, in some way positively affecting more people than you might as a nurse, to be perfectly honest. Like not that, not that that's not still an amazing goal, but it's still in the interim. You still are having that impact on people Um, because it is, it is, Oh, it is completely impossible to even spend a couple of minutes watching what you're going through and not and not have those thoughts of, you know, if she can do it, I can do it. Um, you know, that that sort of thing. It it really is I don't know, it's I think it's really valuable for people to see and, and therefore um valuable for you to share. And that can't be something that's simple. Like the first time you decided to tell people about this could not have been it could not have been a fun or easy decision, I don't imagine. But, but I, I, I would imagine that everybody really appreciates it. I know that I do. It's always really exciting to see when you jump on my lives. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's got better. You're very nice. So um, I'm not doing anything near what you're doing. And um, it's just, uh, I don't know. Like there's, there's times I think about you a lot. So I don't reach Ooh. out a lot. But I, you, you pop into my head a lot. So, um, it's, yeah, yeah, because you're just so, you're very real while you're doing it. And, and there's no, um, <clears throat> there's like, there's no pretense to it. I don't feel like you're acting a part or just like, oh, people need to see me sick or like, you know what I mean? Like there's, no. you're just very much there and, or, and, and just very, it's just really honest. So, um, I, I find it really valuable. I can't imagine other people don't as well. I don't even know how you have the nerve to do that. I, um, I don't have nearly the courage that you have. That, that's for certain. And as you describe your life day to day, it's difficult for me not to like interject my own thoughts over top of it and ask you, like, do you really Go ahead. No, do you ever like feel like just giving up? Because it, I feel like it would make me like that. But at the same time, I haven't been down your journey, your path. So maybe your path would harden me along the way. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's just it's it's just it just seems like from my perspective, I'm, I don't know how you do that. Like even like I was going to make a joke earlier that you might be at least a great person to ask about Netflix because you have all this time in bed, but you don't even have time in bed. You're just bed, bathroom, bed, bathroom. It's not even like you can lay there and go, okay, I can't get up and get moving today, but at least I can binge watch Troll Hunters, um, which no. I think now is just an insight into what I just watched last on Netflix, a, <laughs> a cartoon that I'm pretty sure is for ten year olds. 
but but anyway, like, you know, is it the, I mean, have you, do you consider like how much of this can I take or do you know you can take it? I kind of, I'm not gonna lie. So in the beginning, I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm so not ready for this. I'm not strong enough. And then the thing is, sometimes you don't realize how strong you are until being strong is the only choice you have. So I don't really, I kind of keep the similar mindset like I do with type one, honestly. And I just, Thank God every morning that I have another opportunity to, you know, make to be in this world and to do something with it. And kind of honestly, every day for me is like a kid on Christmas morning. Every day that I get here is like as exciting as, you know, little kids get on Christmas morning because it's another opportunity and it's the greatest gift. The greatest gift is definitely time and time with the people who you love most in this world. And there are times where I do get down and I do need to, uh, that's when I say I take a moment, I myself a river, build a bridge, get over it. So I might, you know, take, I'm human. So I do take the time, take a few minutes, acknowledge what I'm feeling, maybe call one of my best friends or call a support person and be like, I'm so sick and tired of this. And then we end up laughing. And then that's, I call that part building the bridge. And then we go ahead and, you know, we move, move on and, you know, keep going. And I, it comes down to, you can either laugh or you can cry. And if you can find a way to laugh, that's going to work out a lot better than crying for you in the long run. Mm -hmm. Because when you laugh, you're actually producing some chemical, not chemicals, hormones in your brain, and those do actually literally help reduce your suffering. So I do watch some TV shows, but I'm not really on Netflix a lot. I do, I honestly am just not a big fan of a lot of like TV shows. I do like a couple like Bones and Castle, but those are fun. And I love Boston. I felt like I could relate so much, but other than that, yeah. that does it for you. Well, you know it's funny. So we're wrapping up here on a, coming up on an hour already. Because you were really amazing. But I was thinking this morning about something completely disconnected from you. I was watching the news or you know paying attention to the news, and it, it, there's a lot going on politically, and there's a lot of people being indicted, and things are going on like that. And I and it made me think of if I was guilty, right? Um, how long would I fight? Like at what point would I say? you know what, you got me, I give up. And then I realized probably never. Like if I did something and you caught me, I'd deny it right till the very end. And I think that's a human, mm-hmm. that, that, is, that is the human spirit in a funny way, right? Like the idea mm-hmm. of I'm not gonna give up, I'm not, I'm not giving up. You, you can kill me if you want, but I'm not giving up. I'm not gonna be the one to say I'm done. I, it, it's just and it, that the human mind and the human body it wants nothing more than another minute. Like, like, do you know what I mean? Like you, like that's, Mm -hmm. that's the thing that most of us, that keeps most people going. It's you just, you don't want to stop. And by stop, I mean like you don't want to not exist anymore in, in, in whatever form that might be. You just, you want another second in the game and you'll almost do anything for it. And as, as almost kind of despicable as that is in an illegal situation, 
it, it's also the same function that I heard you talk about for the last hour. I can't believe that it's something that randomly popped in my head and you basically talked about it all morning, which is oh. like you're not giving up. You, you know what I mean? Like, no. like you, you went through <clears> – <throat> excuse me. I've been sick. But you, you, you went through – you know, you've got type 1. You've got gastroparesis. You all – all the things that you listed, and then possibly something else on top of that, I never heard you say, but I'm going to wave a white flag. Like, I heard you say, I want another day. Like, I want to get up. I want another shot at this. I want to try to fix it. I want to be better. There, I know there's a world where I feel better because I've been there. How do I get there and stay there so that I can make the most of every one of these days? I, at, at 23, you have, like, the perspective of of like a thousand year old person. Do you know what I mean? Thank like it's, you. no, it's amazing. Um, I, I, there, I know some people you should talk to. <laughs> That'd be on it. That would be awesome. Well, they should pay attention because there are some people in the, that kind of perspective would be very, very valuable for a lot of us. So I, I really appreciate that you put it out in the world like this. Thank you very much. Is there anything I didn't ask you or anything you want to say that, that we didn't get to say? Um, I am not only on Facebook, I'm also on YouTube with Beating Type 1, and it's all lowercase, no space, B-E-A-T-I-N-G-P-Y-P-E-1, and I was inspired by some of the early diabetes bloggers, and I also have a blog, which is bolusofhopeorg.wordpress.com. I'm going to get you to email me all your links and I'll put them in the show notes so people can see them. Who was, uh, awesome. did you have a blogger that, um, th- um, now I said this, like, uh, I put myself in a I corner. I actually read yours. Yeah, don't, uh, like don't. when it was first kicking up. <laughs> I was going to say, don't say me, but is there someone, <laughs> is there someone that like, that you saw that like, or, or why let's say that you saw a blogger. What, what about them made you think, Oh, I should do this too. I was really inspired by Carrie Marone Sparling mm-hmm. and Diabetic Danica. Okay. Yeah, those are two good ones. Uh, I, I could easily see being inspired by both of them. Um, Danica does such a great job on YouTube. And, yeah. Um, and, and Carrie is a machine of, like, honesty. Like she, she, can, she blogs like it's, uh, like it's really something. I'm, I, I know that I know that you would probably, I don't know how you would say this for sure, but I think Harry's probably got one of the oldest, if not the oldest type one diabetes. Yeah. Diabetes. I believe it was 2005. Yeah. Like I think it was her, <clears throat> then Scott Johnson. I know I came oh. in sometime after that around 2000, early, early 2007. And, and there were some yeah. other ones in there too, but you're really talking about a smattering of these blogs. Um, I joked with somebody the other day that, I had a blog back before people knew what a blog was, and I've had one so long no one, yeah. no one even cares what a blog is anymore. Uh, so <laughs> I, yeah. I somehow we lived through most of the of that. Um, but I've seen blogs help people in ways that you know I imagined couldn't be any greater. And then listening to you just now say that some of these have had an impact on you, it reinforces what I thought about them. It's just. Um, such a very valuable and, and honest thing when people are willing to share like that so that somebody else can see it. Um, and now you're part of it too. You do it as well. So I, I think you do it as well as anybody. So congratulations. Very well done. Thank you so much. Absolutely. This is such an honor. No, it's I not can't thank you enough for no, this opportunity. You're, you are very kind to say that. This is just, you and I are just talking on the phone. It just happens to be recorded and a bunch of people are going to hear it. That's all. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. I got nervous at a couple parts. No, you were you were great. You weren't. Listen, you were a hundred percent fantastic. Your voice sounds clear. You know what you're. I mean, listen. I love talking to people about their lives because, like I said to you at the beginning, no one knows your life better than you. And if you're willing to talk about it, the answers are are just incredibly. They're valuable in ways you can't even imagine. So, you're gonna have helped people with with what you did here today. I, again, in ways you're not going to completely understand. So really well done. Thank you so much. I'm going to um, stop the recording and then say goodbye nicely and uh, okay. like people. Hold on one second. Hey, you can check out Ella's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash beating type one and definitely find her on Facebook. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to both of those things. Thank you so much, Ella, for coming on and sharing Seriously, I don't even know what to say. Just really amazing of you to come on and tell this story. Thank you, Dexcom and Omnipod, for your continued sponsorship of the show. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. The link's in your show notes or juiceboxpodcast.com. MDI users, if you did not hear episode 174 with the people from InPen, go back and listen. InPen makes an insulin pen that combined with their smart app gives you a ton of the functionality that insulin pumps have. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for the great reviews on iTunes. The podcast continues to grow because of you and your sharing. Thank you so much. I'll be back next week with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.